Hey friends, Pastor Andrew here. Thanks for taking the time to listen in on our sermons here at Asheville First Church of the Nazarene. We post these even though they were preached in a specific time at a specific place to a certain community of people, hoping that God still might use them to speak to you wherever you are. If you have your Bible with you, turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39, we'll, we'll be looking at. Uh, many of you have heard me preach on this before. Um, uh, it is one of my favorite passages. You might have heard me preach on it though at a funeral before. Now I can do that because it is one of my favorites and I think it really speaks to the core of who we are and what we're called. But I'm kind of glad to be speaking on it on a Sunday morning. Romans chapter 8, though, especially these verses, hold them close to your heart. What then are we to say of these things? If God is for us, who can, is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword, as it is written, For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us From the love of God and Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For many of us, our fathers were a sense of safety and security for us. I know not for all of us. For some of us, um, our fathers were not safe and secure for us. and, And we mourn that. For you, Because what a father is supposed to be in our lives is that sense of safety and security. And, and for much of my childhood, my dad was that security and that, that safety for me. Uh, you know, my dad, like we all, you know, none of us are perfect. Uh, but one of the things you could say about my dad, he was always good in a crisis, right? He was always good in a crisis. I, I remember we were sitting in church uh, one time. We were visiting family. Wow. And we were in a church, and it was a big church, and somebody gave me one of those, uh, oh, what are they, caramel candies, the hard ones? What are those called? Werther's. Yeah, Werther's, exactly. And so I had one of those, and I was sucking, I was probably four or five, and I started choking on it. And I'm not, it's not like, uh, uh, it was, if this doesn't come out, that's the end of Andrew, right? And so, and the, and the, it was, we, I think it was a, maybe a Lutheran church, and the priest was up doing the sermon, and I'm choking, and my dad just sprints in the action, right? He realizes the severity of the problem, 
and he grabs me and, you know, he's 6'3", played football. He grabs me under his arm like a football and just starts running down the middle aisle. That minister did not skip a beat. <laughs> Acted like nothing was happening. Just kept going, no problem. My dad hit, you know, they, they closed the doors of the sanctuary. My dad hit the door of the sanctuary going out stiff's arm. That one was locked. And so it just made a huge ruckus. And then he hit the next one and that one opened up. And sure enough, I mean, you know, he, three or four Heimlichs later, that thing shot out like a rocket and saved me. I mean, uh, there, that was just my dad. He was good in a crisis. I, I remember the first time I got punched in the face was at church camp. <laughs> it was, it was. You gotta be careful at church camp. Uh, camp Camby, you know, I was, uh, there was, I guess, this playhouse uh, bully. I wanted to go down the slide and he wouldn't move, so I just went down the slide and we got out of the slide and he just slugged me right in the eye. And, uh, you know, I was a good Christian kid. I wasn't going to hit him back. I, honestly, I was too scared. I'd never been hit. I was like, what is this? So I go crying to my dad. And, uh, boy, that was the best feeling, standing there, nursing my eye, watching my dad tear into that kid. And that kid was just crying his eyes out. For every tear I shed, that kid shed 10. And uh, I mean, my dad, you know, I just told him what was up. Don't you ever touch my son again. Uh, I just, that was my dad. Like, you know, I just knew if my dad was around, I was going to be okay. No one was going to mess with us. I mean, like I said, he was, you know, he grew up talking. He was a wrestler, he was a football player. Uh, you know, I, I just, he was a sense of safety and security for me. Until I went over one of my older brother's friend's house, and we went over there, and I was too young to be watching this, but uh, it, they had WWF on. You know, I'm talking about professional wrestling, right? And, and you know, this is, you, this is totally ridiculous, but this is how a little boy's mind works, okay? And so I saw these huge, Hulk Hogan, you know, Hulk Hogan was on, and they're wrestling, and I'm seeing these guys, and you know what my thought was? These guys are bigger than my dad. These guys, my, my dad's a shrimp compared to these guys, right? And I then immediately, I think we were watching too much 911 cop shows too. And so I thought, oh, those guys are going to break in my house. And why wouldn't they? Because they could probably beat up my dad, right? <laughs> but really, it's funny. I, I laugh about it, but really the realization was my dad's not Hulk Hogan. My dad can't protect me from everything. I realized that my dad was only a, a person. That sense of security, it was great, but it couldn't defend me against everything. Now that I'm a father, I have that realization to the nth degree that I realize my flaws, my imperfections, and how much I can't save my son from, that I can't always be there to protect him. And it's a very insecure feeling, especially as a father and loving a son so much, knowing that, you know, I may not be there the first time he gets punched in the eye at church camp. And after that and after that, things that happen to him. Really what I'm talking about is, is common to all of us, that what it means to be human is to feel insecure. That at a certain point in our lives, I, you know, for me it was watching WWF, for you I don't know when you realized it, 
but it was a feeling of there are things out there that I don't have control over that can hurt me. There are things in this world that my dad can't protect me from or my mom can't protect me from or my big brother can't protect me from. No one can. That no matter how much we try, and we do try as humans, and in fact, I would say much of what our culture is about, much of what society about is about, and much of what the world tells you life is about is trying to secure your life. That you need to have a better job, you need to make more money, you need to have a nice house, you need to have a good family. All of these things to secure ourselves against what we can't protect. That is the human condition. That we want to fight everything. We want to build bigger walls. We want to buy bigger guns. We want to eat perfectly. We want to exercise four times a week. We want to take all of the medicine. Why? Because we are insecure beings trying to secure ourselves. Trying to recover that sense of safety and security we once felt. And we most feel that in the, our lives, and this is why I usually preach on this passage, when we lose each other in death. That death becomes, is the ultimate insecurity that nothing in this world can protect us from, that we are born and we all will die. And that death separates us. It breaks the relationship. For as much as I want to protect my relationship with our wife, our vows inherently say, till death do us part. That is the great insecurity of the human condition that often we are trying to fight off, that we are trying to find security for. Paul is writing Romans to a people who know great insecurity. Christians in Rome during this time are a minority of a minority. Uh, they are seen just as a sect of Judaism, but Judaism is a mi minority in Rome, but even much more so would be the Christians within that minority. And through different phases, they will undergo persecution. The ironic thing is that Paul is writing to the, the Romans who people he's never met yet, and yet that is where he will ultimately be imprisoned and executed by the Roman Empire for his witness to Christ, where he will be martyred. And he writes to folks that know hardship and insecurity. And the, what he quotes here is Psalm 44, and he says, We are like sheep accounted for the slaughter. I don't know how you get much more insecure than that. And so Paul is writing to them knowing that they experience such things, knowing that they know suffering. And we've been talking about just a few weeks ago, we looked at Paul's talks, we need to boast in our suffering because he knows that folks in the Roman church are suffering in real ways. But here, at the end of Romans chapter 8, Paul isn't advocating that they need to go make an ultra-secure compound so that no one messes with them. He's not trying to get them to leave the city for their safety. He's not trying to advocate for their rights as Roman citizens because he knows those things ultimately would not bring them safety and security. He begins to talk to them some, about something much more powerful, and it is the gospel. He's telling them what our safety and our security comes from, looks like as Christians. And he starts with a question. 
He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If, ain't no one. Amen, Lauren. No one. And you know God is for you, Lauren? That's what he's saying. It's like that feeling that I had when my dad was around. If my dad's with me, who can mess with me? That's what Paul is saying here. If God is for you, then who can be against you? And it's one of those questions that a child knows the answer to. No one. And that's the truth of the matter, that no one can be against us. And that's what Paul wants to remind the Roman church. If God is for us, and notice, he doesn't say if God is on our team, because that would mean he's, he's against, he's not on other people's team. God is, wants to be for everyone, right? But our call is to respond to that. And so if God is for us, and whoever answers that call, God is for, right? So God wants to be for everyone. If God is for us, who can be against us? It's that sense of safety and security that comes only from knowing God. And how do we know this? Because God sent his son. God was willing to give the most precious thing he had, a, a part of his own self, over to die for us. So Paul says he didn't even withhold his own son. He didn't even withhold himself, but he sent him into a very insecure world to suffer and to die for us. So we know if God is willing to do that, then God is for us. And so he keeps following this logic. Then who's going to bring a charge against us? Who's going to condemn us? Who's going to? No one. Why? Because we know we've received forgiveness and reconciliation with God. We know this because what we have seen in Jesus Christ. And in fact, he says, since Jesus is up there seated at the right hand of God the Father, he's actually interceding for us, Paul writes. That means his own son now is up there on our behalf, talking to the Father for us, interceding for us. If God is for us, if Jesus is interceding for us, who then can be against us. There's no more powerful person to have in your corner. As much as how powerful I saw in your fa my father growing up, for Paul, this is the prime example that there is no one more powerful than God himself, and we see that in Jesus Christ. And Paul says that this is the love of God that is in our corner. This is the love that has redeemed us. God sent his son out of love for us, and now Jesus intercedes for us out of love for us. And then that begs the question, though, can we be separated from that love? Can that love go away? Can that love stop? Will that relationship ever end? Because my relationship with my father will end. My relationship with Desmond one day will end. It, can anything end this relationship with God, the love of God through Jesus Christ? And Paul says no, nothing. He goes through a first list, and this first list is, is pretty hard. He says hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword. Do you notice that Paul is saying... He's not saying that those things will never happen. 
Do you notice that he, he's not saying, well, since God is for us, then we'll never have to worry about the sword or famine or persecution or hardship. He's not saying that. What he's saying is that since God is for us, who can separate us from the love of God? What can separate us? Can these things separate us? No. What he's describing is the power of God's love is not the avoidance of suffering. The power of God's love is that suffering, when we go through it, cannot separate us, cannot end the relationship, cannot break us away from that relationship of God the Father. That's the good news. That's the power of the gospel that the world doesn't understand. The world looks at it and says, well, we see power, safety, and security as that thing when you avoid all suffering. But Paul says that's not what safety and security really is. Safety and security in God's love is that those things have no power over you. Those things cannot separate you from God the Father. Notice that he says next, that in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. And what he means by that is, is that we don't avoid those things. In those things, we are able to overcome them. And in fact, in the Greek, we don't really capture it well in our English translations, but he's really talking about those things actually somehow become almost, they're not good, but they become a good for us. Does that make sense? That we become stronger because of them, because, not under our own power, because through him who loved us, he says. We become more than conquerors. You know this is so true in life. I mean, if you, if you raise a child or you, you see a person that has never undergone any hardship, that has not, never suffered in their life, that has never had anything bad happen to them, I mean, the first thing that comes along, they're just knocked over, right? If you've never had a hardship, if you've never, I hate to say, toughened up a little bit, never got that first punch in the eye on the playground, right? I mean, even the experts are saying now for raising children, and I, I look at these things watching Desmond, that we parents try to keep our kids so safe and secure that it actually harms them more than it helps, right? They need to learn how to overcome things. That's what Paul is saying here, that we become more than conquerors through all of these things, and the power of the gospel, the power of Christ's love is that they can no longer separate us from God. They will never overcome us. This is the radical news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that Paul is all about that no longer we need to be scared that we will end up alone, that we will be cut off, that that relationship will end. It absolutely can't happen, Paul says. And then he takes it up to the next level. He says, okay, none of that suffering in this life will ever be able to break us, but what about death? Or what about anything in life? Will that be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ? How about the an angel or a power of the spiritual realm? Or how about that Caesar or any other human ruler? Or, or how about anything that's ever going to happen in the future? I love how Paul says that anything ever to come, he, he's really, he, he's pulling out everything. Like you, you can't bring up 
anything that Paul hasn't thought about. There is nothing to ever come in the future. There is nothing in the entire universe that will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. This is the power of God's love, that nothing in all of creation can overcome it, can destroy it, or to take it away from us. It is a love that conquers all. It is a love that is for us. It is for you personally today, and is for every person alive on the earth. This is the power of God's love for us. Friends, this is, this is it. This, this is the gospel. This is the beating heart of the good news. This is what church is about. This is what we are called to. This is our joy, our hope, our peace, that God's love is the only safety and security we ever need. It was the safety and security. It is the reason we were created. And we can know it and experience it and have it through Jesus Christ. This is real security. Uh, I know our world looks at it and scoffs. Our, our world looks at the security of Christ and says, that's not real security. You still have hard times. You still suffer. You still die, right? Our world doesn't understand. And as they chase different forms of security and safety, we can see how ultimately those all come to an end, right? The real safety and security is only found in a love that never ends. A love that not even death itself can destroy. And you know how we know that? Because that's what we witnessed in the cross. That this world took everything it had. There was the rulers, Pilate, the Roman Empire, who sent him to die, as the Roman Empire did. There was the power of evil at work through Judas and others. There was acts of violence. There was grave humiliation. There was torture and suffering. And in the cross of Jesus Christ, we see that none of that could break the power of God's love in Christ that the cross exposes all of those senses of security and safety that the world hopes for and looks into. It exposes it all as powerless in front of the love of Jesus Christ. That the love of Christ overcame it all for us as he was raised from the dead and invites us to know that same love today. So my friends, I just want to ask you, where do you find your sense of safety and security? What do you put your hope in for this life and for the life to come? You see, this, this security and safety in Christ, this, this power of God's love that we have through Jesus, it doesn't mix too well with other securities of this world. We can't chase both. We can't say, I have the security and safety of the love of Christ, but I also want A, B, and C, all the securities that this world affords. That's what we mean by faith and trust and giving our lives over to Christ. That we no longer put our trust in all those things that the world puts their trust in. 
We, never, we don't search those out. We, we know they're fool's gold. When we come to Christ, he becomes our only sense of safety and security. He becomes our only hope. He becomes the only foundation of our lives that we look to. And every time, and we do as Christians sometimes, and say, yeah, but, well, I want to make sure. I want to hedge my bets. It's like we're cheating on Christ, saying, yeah, but I want to make sure that I'm going to be well taken care of here in this life. And Paul says, you can't, you can't find your security in anything else. It is only, only, only in the love of God through Jesus Christ. One of the frustrating things about being a pastor is, uh, especially when you're preaching one of your favorite texts, um, is that words just can't do it justice. That just as Paul says, the heights and the depths, uh, I, can't, I can't flesh this out enough for us. I can't do any better than what Paul wrote. It's one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture. But I really believe that if we could just come to a point in our lives where we could just catch a true glimpse of God's love for us through Jesus Christ, if there was just a single ray that we could grab hold of, that that would be enough to carry us from this point to our dying day and trusting that God has us in the palm of his hand, that we need not worry, that we would never worry about rules or temptations or any of the things of religion. We would simply exist in the love of God. I mean, when I think about, and as we think about parents in this room, fathers and mothers, or you know, if you've uncle and aunt and all of us, those that we love, and I think about my relationship with Desmond, if I really think about what I would do for him, how much I love him and I would just give everything I have so that he might live and prosper, and I compare that, that is such a tiny fraction that is incomparable to the love of God through Jesus Christ for me and for you and for all of us, if we could just have that in our eyes, if we could catch a glimpse of it and trust it, friends, we wouldn't need anything else. We would never be tempted to find security in anything else. We would only ever exist in God's love and that we would have peace and joy. We would feel like a three-year-old walking with his father Nothing can touch us. Nothing can break it. Nothing will overcome the love of God and Jesus Christ. Do you believe it this morning? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I, I am so grateful for the love and how you have revealed it to us how you have searched us out and you know us perfectly. And it is of a good Father that you love us. And so I pray in these moments, 
that your spirit would speak to us and for each and every one of us, we would just feel the weight of that love. And that for each of us, we might come to a relationship with you that we would entrust ourselves to that love and believe that nothing can overcome it and nothing will ever separate it from us. So speak to us now in these moments. May our hearts be open to you and we, may we experience the love of Christ in this place. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we prepare to respond to God's word and as our servers come down, as we do every Sunday, I'd ask you to take a time of prayer, but today I'd just ask you, whatever stage of the spiritual journey you're on, just to pray and to consider God's love for you. To consider the life and the sacrifice of Christ and that we would see how it is all an act of love, overcoming everything in the world to reconcile us back to God. And as we come and partake of communion, we are reminded of God's love in Jesus Christ, that he broke his body and he shed his blood so that we might know his love and that we might not ever be separated from his love again. And that we would be reminded of the sacrifice and that we would be drawn to Christ through this time. You don't have to be a member of our church to partake in communion. All that we ask is that you commit yourself to that love in Jesus Christ. That you entrust yourself to him and to him alone and that you live in that safety and security for all of your days. And then partake, come and partake of the bread and receive of the cup and the grace, the safety and the love of Christ is yours forever and nothing can ever touch that. I'd also invite you to pray in an altar. You can, you can pray in your seat before you come down in communion, but an altar is a wonderful place to pray. I'd invite those coming to district assembly to pray at the altar on my right and those that'd like to gather with them to send them off as well. But allow this to simply be a time where you encounter the love, the love of God that is unconditional and nothing can ever break. On the night our Lord was betrayed, after giving thanks, he took bread and broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Take, eat whenever you do in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and said, this is my blood. This is the cup of the new covenant and my blood shed for you. Take, drink, whenever you do, in remembrance of me. When you are ready, come receive a love that will never end. Come receive a love that overcomes all for us. The love of Jesus Christ. Come when you are ready. Let's continue in the time of prayer. And if our delegates would come down and kneel at an altar, and if you wouldn't mind, Lena, some of our members would come down and lay hands on them, on, on Jack and Dale and Marilyn and Ken and, and those others coming. Let's uh, send them off with a word of prayer and pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you uh, that we need not fear, we need not fret, Lord, 
that you do love us as a good, good father. That you have pursued us even while we were still far off from you. That you have suffered on our behalf, Lord, and you have given up of your only son. And so now, Lord, we, we simply say, who can be against us if you are for us? That we have no reason to fear and we, we put our trust in you. And may we put our trust in you and may we feel your peace and your love every day and every hour from this day. And, and may we hold that in our hearts, Lord. And feel the beauty and the peace and the weight of that love in our lives. And that love would propel us forward from this place to live in that love and to share that love wherever we go. And Lord, we, uh, we just pray that we might be used by you to be people, holy people of your holy love through the power of Jesus Christ. Lord, we lift up those who are hurting or struggling today. We, we ask that you would be with them, those that are dealing with cancer diagnoses or recovery from surgery or chronic pain. Lord, we pray that you would bring healing in all of these situations. Those that are dealing with family division and pain, those that are dealing with uh, just hardships, whether they be emotional or spiritual, Lord, may your strength be upon them and may they have your grace and your peace. And, and in our families and in our communities, Lord, may we be agents of peace and reconciliation. May we be people that, that are know and trust and, and share the love that overcomes all. And that we might be conquerors even in the world as we overcome evil and division and hatred with the power and the love of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we lift up our district assembly to you coming up this week. And we lift up our brothers and sisters that are going to represent us. And we pray that you'd bless them. Would you be with Marilyn and Dale and Jack and the others that are going May you give them wisdom and grace as they vote, as they fellowship, Lord. And, and would you bless their time, but would you just bless the entire district as we seek your will, as we seek to be faithful representatives of the kingdom of God and to advance your kingdom, Lord. And may your will be done at this gathering of your people. May you bless Greg Mason, encourage him, give him wisdom and grace in all that he does and the other leaders of the district, Lord. And may you give them a vision and an imagination of what the kingdom looks like in the state of North Carolina and how we can contribute towards it. Would you help us to be your holy, faithful people, Lord? Uh, we, the, the simple and the humble Nazarenes. And may you bless the entire event. I thank you for them willing to take the time out of their weeks and to leave their friends and community to go to this event. May you bless them for those efforts. Lord, we thank you that we're able to gather with not only just the local church, but the, the statewide church and ultimately the global church as we are part of your body. And we pray that you'd bless your body and your, your kingdom. May it go forward and may at the, the heart of the church, may it always be the love of God through Jesus Christ. May we only ever be about your love, Lord. And may we put all of our hope and our trust in it. We thank you and we love you. Help us to pray that prayer you taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Church family, would you stand with us? Thank you, friends, that will be with us, District Assembly. Safe travels. We'll see you there. Be praying for us as we go forward. And may today as we celebrate our families, may this week as you go forward and for the rest of your lives, may you truly know the depths of God's love for you. May you only trust in that love. And may that love carry you forward from this day to the rest of eternity. Thanks be to God for his love through Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening in today. I hope God continues to speak to you in the days to come and that you find whatever is the next step for you in your life. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website at ashnaz.org or feel free to stop by the church anytime. We'd love to see you. God bless.